Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Nina Turner and you are watching Unbossed. I'm so glad that you're here. And I wanna give a great big shout out to Adrian for holding it down in my absence. Adrian, I appreciate you so very much. You did that and all of our guest hosts. And today, you know it's Friday, so you know it's Mayor Mondale Robinson Friday and he is in the house. The mayor is a TYT contributor as well. He's over there on Rebel HQ doing the daggone thing. Mayor. So good to have you here on this Friday. I want to give people some updates before we get started into our segments. One, we just found out that the great Hall of Famer, pro Hall of Famer, Jim Brown passed away at the age of 87 years old. He played for the Cleveland Browns, number 32. And not only was he a stellar football player, he was a civil rights activist, just a legend in his own right. And also was in movies, many, many a movie of playing himself. Certainly his physical presence will be missed. Yeah, this is that. Tragic news. Yeah, tragic news. Uh, yeah, Sachi just told me as we were coming in. I'm like, what? What? No, not Jim Brown. Certainly an admirer of his. I've had the pleasure of being in a few rooms uh, when he was there, and he's all standing up for people. You know, foundation to help young people. I mean, just all around, just known internationally and very much loved and respected. So, condolences to Jim Brown's family and also their friends. He is on the ancestral plane. His physical presence will definitely, definitely be missed. And then Mayor, also today is Minister Malcolm X's birthday. Let's not forget that. Let's go and get this party started right. Uh, with the minister, so he's so quotable, just like many of our great leaders. So I thought about a quote from his that I think fits not just the show today, but it fits for every day. And he once said the following, I have no mercy or compassion in me for a society that will crush people and then penalize them for not being able to stand up under the weight. Come on, Mm. Minister Malcolm X, any Mm. thoughts there? Listen, I um, I love this brother, and I, I, the one good thing about uh, Facebook or Meta as a company is that they have these annual reminders. So every I wrote a poem for Malcolm X in every year on his birthday. Um, the first thing I see is that a reminder of that poem I wrote for him. So uh, I woke up this morning reading that poem and feeling like I said at the beginning, but a, uh, like a child in his shadow. So indeed, yeah, indeed. So lifting him up in his essence, he too is in the ancestral plane. And I'm sure for the Shabazz family, for Minister Malcolm X's family, you know, this might this is probably a heavy day for them too. So sending them all kinds of good vibes. Minister Malcolm X definitely changed his world, not just his country, but he changed his world. He stood up and he stood out, and we owe him certainly a great debt of gratitude. So happy birthday, Minister Malcolm X. Even though you're not physically here with us, we will never, ever, ever be forgotten. All right, we go into Marjorie Taylor Greene. She attacks, she did attack Congressman Bowman. Rep Marjorie Taylor Greene and Rep Bowman got into it at the Capitol earlier this week. Rep Bowman was speaking on George Santos when suddenly this chick showed up. Take a look. Everybody's hanging by a thread. You gotta save the party. Listen, no more QAnon, no more madness, no more dead ceiling nonsense. Come on now, 
end of the mind of a madman or a mad woman. And that is what is happening right there in that display. And at the very end, you saw Representative Ocasio-Cortez patting Rep Bowman on the back, basically saying she's not worth it. They both were on the steps of the Capitol building as Santos attempted to speak with reporters following a failed expulsion. Because of course, the Republicans are never going to expel this man because they need his votes. They don't care what he has done, what he is willing to do past, present and future. They don't care about that. They just care about the vote. And take a look, a listen to you know how they were yelling. We're going to listen to this, Mayor. I continue to address you guys because there's a deranged member here. I'm going to watch. But Santos isn't the point of the story. It's unfortunately Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene because she went on to make some pretty dangerous and stunning remarks against Representative Bowman. Take a look and a listen. What what concerns me about Jamal Bowman is he has a history of aggression, um, not just towards others, but towards me in particular, and I'm very concerned about it. Um, when I went to New York City uh, to use my First Amendment right and protest the unconstitutional and unlawful arrest of President Trump, who another person abusing their power, weaponization of government, DA Alvin Bragg. Jamal Bowman led a mob down there in front of that courthouse. And my life was in danger. Is Jamal Bowman shouting at the top of his lungs, cursing, calling me a horrible, calling me a white supremacist, which I take great offense to. That is like calling a person of color the N-word, which should never happen. Calling me a white supremacist is equal to that, and that is wrong. Yelling, shouting, raising his voice. He has aggressive, uh, his physical mannerisms are aggressive. And he just recently uh, shoved Thomas Massey um, just outside the House chamber. I think there's a lot of concern about Jamal Bowman. So, and and I am concerned about it. I feel threatened by him. Um, He not only led a mob there, but his boisterous lies. And I'll tell you another thing he said outside there. He was saying, save your party. I kept telling him, no, save the country. We need to save the country from people like you. Mayor, I know you want to jump right in here. Let me just recap some of the things she was saying. You just have at it. He has a history of aggression. See, she's building the house. She's painting the picture of the type of person she wants her folks to believe that Representative Bowman is. History of aggression during her trip to New York. She wanted to exercise her First Amendment right to be there, right? It was his First Amendment right to have supporters there saying, we don't need you here, lady. You're not even from here. What the hell you doing here? Take your butt back on to Georgia. So she said he led a mob. She felt like her life was in danger, that he his physical mannerisms make her feel threatened. All of these 
trigger words that she's using, this dog whistle or bullhorn, it sounds very familiar because the way she's describing Representative Bowman is as old as time. It is what women and 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 particularly white women like her who think like her. So if you don't think like her, then I ain't talking about you. So ain't no need to you getting offended. But it's people who have her mentality, white man or white woman, that 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 gets black people killed. Your thoughts, Mayor? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I gotta be honest. As a black man in America, also as a black man who knows this brother personally, we text each other on a regular basis. The idea that he has a history of aggression means Marjorie Green, Taylor Green, has never met a brother like me because I can show her the definition of aggression and what she deserves. That brother was actually laughing the entire time they were conversating. She actually came up and introduced herself to his conversation, and also saying and spraying QAnon things as he's calling her to end that. Here's what I would tell you. Um, just as we know trauma is passed down from generation to generation through the epigenetics and 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 uh, PTSD that we know can be born from past incidents, whether you experienced them or somebody else. What Marjorie Taylor Greene is showing us that so is hate and hatred. This idea that she was threatened or felt threatened or or that this brother's aggression seemed just like the same behavior we seen white women on plantation distribute as soon as they have sex and get pregnant by a black man and watch the white men around her kill their kid and also the man that she may love to. This is so disgusting and so scary to me on so many levels that this woman is so comfortable spreading this type of lies about this level of black man reminds me of why no black man in this country will ever be safe as long as white women, not just ones that think like her. I've seen allied white women act just like this when black men push back on their behavior. When you say something in a meeting, when I say something in a meeting and then white women go and text their friends about how aggressive Mundell is on a progressive call, this is the same behavior. It may look different and sound different because you didn't say white supremacist and N word, but your behavior is identical. It is political suicide for black men to be safe and left out like this by our allies and white women in general. Yeah, Mayor, I, again, I side deeply. Everything that you're saying is the absolute truth. And I think the people who are our so-called allies are more dangerous than Marjorie Taylor Greene in a way, because we expect this kind of stuff from Marjorie Taylor Greene. But from your allies, so-called allies, let me call them that, you start to feel comfortable. If ever black people express themselves in ways that make white people uncomfortable, you know, then they start to go and and squirm and and, and call us aggressive. I've been I, even I've been called you know aggressive because you know what? When people are suffering, I'm fighting for folks. I ain't got time to make sure that you are comfortable or to be cool, calm, and collected. When people are in pain, we got to speak up and speak out. That's number one. And number two, for them to try to judge how we're supposed to comport ourselves, you know, they got some nerve more nerve than a brass ass monkey to quote my grandmother to try to tell us how we should act, how we should think. And unfortunately, they try to take away our agency. And that is even the so-called allies. I've been, you know, same thing, Mary, because I think you and I probably express ourselves very similarly when we are miffed about something, when we don't appreciate something, we don't like it. And you and I even were discussing before the show started that we standing up for the past, the present and the future. All that our ancestors, both known ancestors and unknown ancestors and even elders who are walking the face of this earth who did not get the requisite respect that they deserve as human beings, as elders, as, as hey, we standing in the gap for all of them. 
Y'all got to make up for all of that. And a lot of times people don't understand that. And unfortunately, some black people are even brainwashed to that effect. We were also talking about how this society expects us to apologize first to do things. You know, we're going to get a little more deeper into that. But you are absolutely right. And we need people who are our so called allies to check themselves before they wreck themselves to quote a lyric from a rap, but I'm so glad that you laid it out. And the woman had the pure unadulterated gall to say, anyway, we gonna get to, to say that calling her a white supremacist is on par with calling a black person the N word. This woman has lost her ever loving mind and she does not even understand the history of the use of the N word against black people starting with Africans and then their American descendants. And how even to this day that word is used to denigrate and dehumanize black people when it is not used by black people. Now it's a whole nother debate why black some black people use the term and we can get into that. That's family business, but this chick right here, always trying to minimize our struggle and our pain. And then they're gonna try to tell us. So when white women like her and mayor, like you said, whether they her or they so-called neoliberal, they progressive, when they use their fears and their tears against us and especially our against our black men, that can cause physical death or another type of death, lose your job, mental death. You know, it doesn't have to be physical, but it causes pain. And we see that time and time again, even right now in the 21st century. So we know that we saw earlier this week a physician's assistant and there's some debate right now about who actually had the bike. So we won't show a graphic right now. There's some legal proceedings going on. What I will tell folks is that I watched the video, Mayor, I know you watched the video too. Those young men comported themselves with a firmness. They were respectful and it's a shame that we gotta qualify that, but they were firm about it. And the aggressor in this situation was that physician assistant. Mm, listen, I, I, I tell you my problem is the, the way that people are responding to this video. They're looking at, they wanna focus on who had the bike first. Yes, that's important, but her actions after that, the fake crying. The fake crying is a death sentence to black men. The fake crying of a white woman is a death sentence to black men. The way she snatched that young man's phone, had he responded in a way of- In like kind. In like kind, yeah. would have been a whole different story. Her lying saying he's hurting her unborn fetus and he had his hand on a bike and she's leaning in towards him. Her doing all of the, her screaming for help like she's being tortured. All of those ideas and threats are the definition of what caring behavior is. Not yeah. caring for people, but caring as white women looking for society to come save her or murder this black man. And that, that to me is disgusting regardless of who had that bicycle first. That is the behavior that I'm talking about. So all of the stuff her lawyer is saying about she is a, a doctor who worked through COVID to save all babies. She literally tried to get these black men killed, screaming right. help fake crying and also talking about them hurting her unborn fetus. Without that camera there, who knows what could have happened to these young That's black right. And she was looking around, man. So for those who have not seen the video, please go watch it. You can come up with your own interpretation. But she was even looking around and she calmly and very calculated. This was very calculated. Help, help, help looking around because she wanted people to come to her rescue because they know. See, this is about deconstructing our construction. We are socialized in this society, whether we're black, white, whatever. 
socialized to see black men in a certain way, socialized to see black women in a certain way, socialized to see white people in a certain way, and others in a certain way. She knew instinctively, Mayor, because if she didn't know that, she wouldn't have put on that performance. She knew instinctively, and I'm not sure if somebody sat her down and said, hey, as a white woman in America, your tears can get black men killed, or your tears garner more compassion than anybody else's, because those are the facts. That is the fact from the foundation of this country. Those are the facts. So let's just say, let's just argue nobody did sit her down and say that. It's in it's in her. She knows it. She and we can give countless examples. This lady, Susan Smith, I think was her name. This happened oh so many years ago, but you may recall. This woman murdered her kids. She 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 let the car go into the water. She drowned her babies. And then she told police that a black man. It couldn't have been a Hispanic man. It couldn't have been a man of Asian descent or any other, you know, Arab man. It couldn't be nothing. No, she told the police that a black man carjacked her car and took her her children. I don't know if you remember that story. Many South many Carolina. years ago, South many Carolina. years. I remember. Yeah. I was a black man living in North Carolina, and a young black man living in North Carolina, afraid because when Susan Smith said that, well, first of all, everybody in our community. Knew damn well it was a lie. Ain't no black man stole no car with no white woman and two white kids in South no Carolina. No one, no one babies in the back. Didn't happen. Not happening. Yeah. Not happening. And definitely not driving it into the river. So the idea, the idea of this, story, we know, we know, ingrained. We knew that it wasn't real. We knew the story right. was sketched at the beginning. But the, the 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 whole state, North Carolina and South Carolina, had every black man of a certain on age on the wall, baby, because we knew what was gonna happen. Yeah, we, we we call it the Emmett Till effect. That's right. right. We know we, white people rather have a black man dead than the truth about what happened to those kids, right? Wow. And that is the story in so many instances throughout the history of this country. We've seen right. young in same state, South Carolina, they killed a young black, but the youngest black person, the youngest person in the country ever to get executed was a young brother by the name of George who was 14, who was like barely 80 pounds. They they put him in a death chamber. He was so small they had to fry him. I said it because I want people to think about it several times because the headpiece wouldn't fit. And they said he killed two white girls, both of them heavier than him. They knew that it was a white man that did it, that had raped those girls and killed them. They still killed that little black boy. Still, yeah, they did. 80 so years little. later, they want to come back and say, oh, we, the state of South Carolina is apologetic because we know now that he didn't do it. Apologies don't bring back the entire life that was lost. No, and he was a baby. I mean, again, I, I encourage our viewers to go and look him up and look at that picture. It will bring tears to your eyes. And there are many stories like this. These are not isolated Incidences that we are talking about is, is what happened to the Scottsboro boys. You know, it's it, it's what happens because it is ingrained in the psyche, whether people want to admit it or not, of America. That is it, and that is all. And that is why any white woman who would comport herself in that way, again, I'm talking to white women who comport themselves in that this way. Now, if you ain't one of them, then then don't just shut up and just. Be quiet and just listen to what I'm saying. You ain't got nothing, don't don't cry. Cuz I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those. But they know it. And they know that it is going to elicit a type of response that no other woman would get. Especially a black woman. We saw it with Amy Cooper in Central Park. Y'all go ahead and put that up. Amy Cooper in Central Park saw that. She flat out lied on that black man. And again, 
Thank God he was recording that time. We saw with Carolyn Bryant as we were talking about Dunham when it came to Emmett Till. And this it's just not new, it's just been, it's happening from generations and it is indeed rooted in white supremacy. Yet we see folks like Matt Walsh trying to defend those horrible racist women. This He had the nerve to put this tweet up, Mayor, which sent my blood pressure up. Karen is a racial slur. Mm. What? Really? Diversively referred to random. If I, you know, referred to black woman, I find annoying as Shaquita, Shanquita, or whatever anyone would consider it racist. The Karen slur is used to dismiss and degrade white women. That's the whole point. He got some nerve. First of all, he doesn't even understand. See, these are people who lack either understanding or they just don't care. And I don't know which one it is. Sachi, I know you're trying to get me to wrap up, baby. I'm gonna keep going though. Let you know, and so I want to educate people about how white supremacy is defined. Let's go ahead and put this up. White supremacy culture is a form of racism centered upon the belief that white people are superior to people of other racial backgrounds and that white whites should politically, economically, and socially dominate non-white people, or as I would say, people of color. Cuz we're not gonna define this by their definition. Let's talk about white privilege and white rigidity. White privilege is a set of advantages and or immunities that white people benefit from on a daily basis beyond those common to all others. This is it, white privilege can exist without white people's conscious knowledge of its presence and it helps to maintain the racial hierarchy in this country. So even if it's subconscious, even if you don't know it, even if you ain't setting out, you know, waking up that morning saying I'm gonna I'm comport myself like this, it just is, and it is because it is you. White people are the dominant culture, the ruling class in this society. Does it mean all white people comport themselves like that? Absolutely not. Does it mean that white people don't suffer? Absolutely not. But white privilege is something that is bestowed upon you just because you got white skin. You need to be conscious of that. And then white fragility is a state in which even a minimum amount of racial stress becomes intolerable. Uh, cue in the sanctimonious on this, okay? Cue him in, becomes intolerable, triggering a range of defensive motives, like not one black history taught in schools, like trying to control college courses. Hello, somebody? Those moves include the outward display of emotions such as anger, fear, guilt, and behavior such as argumentation, silence, and leaving the stress inducing situation. These behaviors in turn function to reinstate white racial equal equilibrium. Come on, y'all. This is what we mayor, this is what we're talking about. And, and folks don't want to accept it. And again, Mayor, jump on in here and I know we got to go to break. The major point, Mayor, that I want you to home in on is that everybody don't have to be a Marjorie Teller Green to comport themselves in this way or DeSantis. Yeah, I'm gonna I mean, give you a great example or just to top it off. Since what you said is amazing, I'm over here doing the hallelujah. I was shouting like a mother in a church right now because what you're saying is absolute fact. And I need people to understand that racism and racist 
are not people to just wear Ku Klux Klan hood. That ain't the only form of racism. It's when you sit silent and you see black people treated like those black boys were. It's when you sit silent and you don't check your white sisters, white women, when they act like Marjorie Taylor Greene. When you know for a fact there was no threats on her or against her from Jamal Bowman, but you ain't posted anything about her, but you oppose Black Lives Matter, knowing that this is a death sentence, knowing that QAnon is right now Googling where this brother lived. Y'all know what's happening, and if you're not, that to me, you're not helping the cause if you're not being anti-racist. So if you're white and you're silent, you're not being anti-racist. That means you're being racist. That's the only way you can fall. You can be anti-racist or racist, and your silence, white people, is a form of racism. There it is. There it is. All right, the mayor and I have given you all a lot in this first segment to wrap your minds around. We thought it important to just go ahead and just dive on in. Let's just get in the water, it's fine. Wrap your minds around all that we've said and what you have heard. We can't wait to read your comments on the other side of this break. Welcome back to the show. Mary and I still ain't finished with that first segment. We're gonna say a few more things after I read your comments. Or maybe before, Mary, you were just saying, cause we didn't really get into Matt Walsh's what what we didn't dig in on him. We didn't have time, but you were saying he said that Karen is a is a racial slur and you say Yeah, Karen is not a racial slur, it's a response to a racist act. That's what it is. Matt Walsh understands that, but what he's trying to do is minimize this word so he can say how racist he is. And he named some, he said Shaniqua. Why you say Shaniqua? Who said Karen is a name solely for white people? We know exactly what he's saying. That's why he chose an ethnic name to respond to. That's it. That's it, Mary. So response to racist behavior. Go ahead. All right, live reads right now. Come on and become a member of TYT for $4.99. A TYT membership is, if it's not the way you typically subscribe, come on, become a member. We need you. Members matter because you help us to stay an independent network and strong. The basic membership is $4.99. And what do you get for that cost? For starters, you're getting exclusive programming, unique exclusive designs, all of that good stuff. So we're so glad that you watch and support, but become a member, we need you. And if you need the progress report every single day in your inbox, go ahead and sign up, get the progress report. Progressive news and inspiration every weekday, put your smartphone up to the Q code and subscribe. And then you know you can check out Unbossed both on VOD, video on demand, and also you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. On to my favorite part of the show. Big thanks to all the TYT mods who keep the chat a safe place to comment. Yes, we wanna make sure this is coming off of Twitch. We wanna make sure it is a safe place. We might not agree with everybody, but folks got a right to comp to give their opinion. And opinions are not facts. They got a right to say how they feel. The Progressive Carpenter Unboss on Fridays is one of my favorite hours of the week. Nina, you and the mayor give me the energy I need. Thank you. Well, thank you, Progressive Carpenter. We received that. Jackal Dragon 1999. We need a fire extinguisher emoji. <laughs> yes, we do. We need to work on that, baby. We do. We do. I was I was amazing, amazingly. Uh, composed today doing that first segment. I I must say so myself. I was gonna pull out the fire extinguisher, but I ain't had time. I didn't want to take up precious minutes and seconds. Omega uh, Shinron Dragon. I got one fiftieth the grays Mondale has. I want my beard to look like his. <laughs> Go ahead, 
it all. The mayor with the beard that everybody wants, baby. <laughs> and Faye Molly. <laughs> Hi, Senator. One of my students emailed you a few questions. Hopefully, you have some time to answer him. He wants intelligent commentary on the defund the police movement for an essay, and I recommend it he write to you. Well, thank you for that. I am not sure which email address your student sent that to, but if I get it, we will definitely answer. And Blue Lily Dragon, or Blue Lily Blue Dragon, hi Blue Lily Blue Dragon, what a beautiful name. They're complicit, and that's why they're so triggered by the idea of being woke. Go ahead, because when everyone wakes up, they're gonna realize that the bystanders were racist. Ooh. Oh, and the mayor's hand clapping you on that blue lily, blue dragon. And the racist bystanders are terrified of being found out. Mayor, that was exactly your commentary right there. And on YouTube Super Chat, Larry Love Jr. Welcome back, Nina. And the mayor, cutie pie, Jim Brown lived a long life. Yes, he did, 87 years old. And the voodoo you do, <laughs> the voodoo you do, I love that. Fire Friday with Nina and the mayor, thank you for that. KK, thank you so much for sharing the words of Minister Malcolm X. You got that KK, Minister Malcolm X on our watch, he will not be forgotten. And Donald James X, Nina and Mondale Friday, let's go. And now to our TYT members, Crystal Brandon, stoked to catch Unbossed Live. We so glad you could watch us live, it's been a hot minute. Being from the Cleveland area myself, it's always awesome to see someone fighting the good fight and repping back home. Thank you, Crystal, for that. And Lynn, Mayor Mondale, as someone who considers themselves an ally, I appreciate you further delineating what an ally truly means. Wow. Thank you for that, Lynn, because some people can't take this. Thank you so much for that. And then, Lynn, I guess, Lynn to me, Nina, I need to correct you. Marge hasn't lost her ever loving mind. She never had it. <laughs> Go ahead, old Lynn. Amen to everything that you just said. You're right about that. I will, moving forward, put an emphasis on the fact that you can't lose what you never had. Go ahead, Lynn. Thank you, baby. And thanks to all of you. These were some tremendous comments on this Friday. We appreciate you so very much. Oh, we're going to the $3 billion accounting era of the Pentagon. Wouldn't it be nice if all of us could just, just simply say we had a $3 billion accounting era, era. If only there was some magic money to help the American people. Check out this headline right here. Pentagon acknowledges a $3 billion accounting era in Ukraine aid. So through an accounting era, the Pentagon overestimated the value of security aid it has sent to Ukraine in its fight against Russia, according to several news reports. This first report is coming from the Hill. The error was an overestimation by $3 billion, which defense officials attributed to a mistake overusing cost estimates based on, on new equipment rather than older versions delivered to the Ukraine. So let me get this straight, because I'm trying to Make this make sense. And I do got to quote Brother Andrew Yang, the math is not mathing for me on this, but y'all can help us out. So I want to get this straight. The Pentagon found $3 billion extra dollars just out there from an accounting era. 
The New York Times headline put it another way. Let's take this up, put this up. Pentagon says accounting mistake frees up 3 billion more for Ukraine. The Biden administration has been under bipartisan pressure to explain how it intended to continue sending weapons to Ukraine quickly without asking Congress for more money. And then all of a sudden like poof, like 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 bewitch wiggling her nose or G, I dream a genie, you know, doing that ponytail, mayor they find Three billion extra dollars. And listen, let me say this. I say it every time, but I gotta I gotta say this for the folks who go, we need to help Ukraine. Yeah, we do. I'm all about it. Help our allies. Also, charity starts at home. So if they can find three billion extra dollars out of thin air to send more money over to the Ukraine, they should be able to find some similar, similar levels of money to help the American people on the domestic side of the ledger. That is what I'm saying and I will say it each and every time. And I really do not care who does not agree with me on this. People in this country are hurting and it's just amazing to me, just amazing how money can be sent all over the world. But can't nothing help the people here at home the way they need to be helped. Mayor, your thoughts? It almost seems like it's designed to be this way, right? Like America is okay with people living on the streets without enough suffering, huh? When you consider that the HUD told us it cost us 20 billion to completely eliminate homelessness in this country. So you're telling me you got 15% of that just laying around to be errored with, to be errored? It's an error. 15% of all of homeless people, homelessness could be gone from America with this one accounting error. This is not an accounting error. This is a policy flaw. This is a decision by our government to be complacent in everybody that's sleeping on this on the street tonight and every night afterwards. This is absolutely disgusting and rash. Raggedy, raggedy, <laughs> billion dollars for war and nothing for the poor. This Come on, absolutely. quote the urban poor Tupac. Why don't you, Mayor? Got money for war, but can't, can't feed the poor. You better unless you don't want to feed them. I'm telling people all the time. Listen, a, 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 it is a conscious decision to write a budget that looks like this. It is a, it is a, it is a, it is a moral statement to write budgets that leave people hungry and on the street when you can spend so much on weaponry. Please. We just follow the money, baby. This is all about policy and what they hold near and dear. The mayor laid that out. So again, we feel for the people in Ukraine. This ain't a but, this is an and. And we feeling for the people right here at home. Now, a majority of people, Gallup, a Gallup poll, Gallup is polling all the time. That's what Gallup does. A majority of Americans, 56% now say price increases are causing financial hardships for their households up from 49% in January and 45% in November. The latest reading includes 12% who described the hardship as severe and 44% as moderate. If you add all of that up, we got people who are in pain. I mean, when 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 eggs cost more than chicken wings, Mayor, I read another headline where people are not happy about the healthcare system in this country. So more and more people are coming around to understanding that as a hegemonic nation, we're not comporting ourselves as such when it comes to the needs of the people of this country. And we are the only industrialized nation when it comes to paid and sick sick leave. All of those things that describe a nation that really is working on behalf of the American people. It's not happening. So America, you found that three billion extra dollars just, 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 just out there in the universe. How about we find some money to help give some relief to the people in this country? Man, we're gonna move on. We see Sachi done put up that little sign he got up there saying rat 
and go to the next segment. I love bringing the team into the. Into the I want I want folks to know what happened behind the curtain. <laughs> so here we go. Progressives to to Biden, President Biden invoked the Fourteenth Amendment. As the Biden administration and the House GOP just bicker over the debt limits and a June 1st deadline looms, as they do all the time, progressives are telling President Biden to get on with it. This headline right here, progressive senators tell Biden prepare to invoke the 14th Amendment to prevent default. For frustrated with fruitless negotiations, others are demanding action now, including the head of Groundwork Collaborative, who said that it is it's time for President Biden to step away from the slow moving train wreck. You better go ahead and say that. This reporting is coming from Common Dreams. Hey, Jessica shouting you out. Five senators sent President Biden a letter. Those five senators are Senator Tina Smith, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Ed Murky, uh, uh, Markey, excuse me, uh, Senator Jeff Merkley, Senator Bernard Sanders. And here's the heart of what the letter says right here because we know you want to know. Republicans have made it clear that they are prepared to hold our entire economy hostage unless you accede to their demands to reduce the deficit on the backs of working families. That is simply unacceptable. Good on them for sending that letter. And they go on in the letter, we write to urgently request that you prepare to exercise your authority under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. Using the authority would allow the United States to continue to pay its bills on time without delay, preventing a global economic catastrophe. So, Mayor, I'm, I'm with it, I'm with that. Listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm super excited that we are moving past this idea. Like we have, we have senators pushing. Of course, these are our senators. When I say our, I'm talking about the progressive army, folk that think and see the world like you and I that know the status quo needs to be interrupted. These, are, these names are no. Anybody that is a fan of progressive politics know exactly who these people are and know that they are champions. Champions, not champions, champions. Mm. And, I, and I, the problem though is. The problem though is this list is so short. Mm. This this statement should be filled with every Democratic senator, minus Cinema and, and Manchin, who are really Republicans in you know in different name. Here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Joe Biden, on the other hand, cares more about bipartisanship than he does about uh, legislation or moving forward on the 14th Amendment. And here's the problem with bipartisanship. If bipartisanship was necessary for anything to change in this country, you and I would still be enslaved. Mm. Civil Come rights on. acts in the 60s would not have happened. Bipartisanship has never done anything progressive or move this country forward ever. So the idea that we're sitting around talking about bipartisanship like it's a badge of honor is disgusting to me. Those of people that champion or talk about bipartisanship are those folk who would wish me to be slaved. I am not a fan of bipartisanship, you can keep it. You can keep it because it is not a sacrifice for what needs to be done. The 14th amendment, while it was meant to be one of the the reconstruction era amendments, where you know it gave black people full freedom for citizenship. We know that corporations have used those amendments more than we have. This is one time where the corporation of the United States of America should use it to protect working class people. 
Come on, equal protection under the law, 14th Amendment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm with these senators and mayor, thanks for laying out that definitely it should be every Democrat should have signed it, including those two knuckleheads that you just named, and knowing they wouldn't, yeah, minus them, it should have been signed by everybody. So we're gonna see what this president is gonna do. I mean, I've been reading articles that say that he's willing to do some negotiation with the Republicans on in, in line with hurting everyday working people. If he does do that, that this is the, the this is Senator Biden, this is Congressman Biden, this is President Joe Biden. This should be, not be a surprise because this is how he rolls. There's plenty of footage out there from his past experiences in the United States Congress when he said, I want, I'm willing to cut Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. The man said he was like, I'm leading the efforts to do the thing. So people really don't change all that much unless they have some type of an epiphany that is out of this world. They usually operate true to form. And so far, this president has been willing to operate true to form. Now you asked if them Republicans were in the White House and Democrat, they, they wouldn't hesitate to push their agenda. They're already doing it in the Congress and all over the country where they are in control. They pushing their agenda and they pushing it hard and they don't care what nobody has to say. And man, they don't care about bipartisanship. In the legislatures and governor's mansions where they have full control, oh, they doing all the foolishness and mayhem that they can do. And they don't give one damn or two about bipartisanship. Democrats better get a clue. When you got the power, you better use it. And that default is gonna hurt everyday Americans in this country. You best believe it. So President Biden, just go ahead, brother, step on up. A DC officer is linked to the Proud Boys. A DC police officer is in big legal trouble. As it's been revealed, he tipped off a former Proud Boy leader pending that leader's arrest. So let's dive into this reporting from ABC News. ADC police lieutenant was arrested Friday after he was accused of telling the leader of the far right Proud Boys that he would be arrested for his actions after December 2020 pro-Trump rally in Washington. Obstructing the investigation ahead of the January 6, 2021 Capitol attack and lying to federal investigators afterwards. Shane Lamond, a 24 year veteran of the DC police and then the department's head of intelligence, ain't this, was indicted on one count of obstruction of justice and three counts of making false statements and will be arraigned later Friday in US District Court in Washington, prosecutors said. Now here is Shane's smug shot. Again, a 24 year veteran and in charge of intelligence. Get that right. Lamont was in contact with former Proud Boys Chairman Henry Terrio. Lamont 47 of Stafford, Virginia was in touch with the former Proud Boy Chairman Henry Enrique Tario, who was arrested on January 4th of 2021 for his part in burning a Black Lives Matter flag stolen from a historic African American church earlier. And here is Henry's smug shot in case you need a reminder who we are referring to. There he is. And Tario was sentenced to 155 days for taking part in the stealing and the burning of the Black Lives Matter flag. And of course, his legal troubles wouldn't stop there as he played a key role in organizing January 6th. Tario and three other Proud Boy Boys leaders were convicted of seditious conspiracy in the Capitol riot earlier this month. In his trial, Tario's defense 
argued that his communications with Lamont showed the Proud Boys did not conspire to commit violence and that the group had shared its plans with law enforcement. And they probably did share their plans with law enforcement. And as for Lamont, it's just another example of how law enforcement has had trouble dealing with white supremacists and enablers infiltrating their ranks. Let's remember this reporting from 2022, a Rutgers investigation on May 6 indicates that a significant number of US police instructors have ties to the constellation of armed right wing militias and white supremacist hate groups. A report that adds to a fast growing body of evidence showing a deadly threat inside US police departments. Now, Mayor, again, this right here is not new either. This is really as old as the United States. If we look at some of the oldest white supremacist groups, the Ku Klux Klan, for example, the White Citizens Council, those types of groups often had people from politics and also law enforcement in their ranks. And even when white folks weren't officially in one of those groups, they utilized their power in ways that continue to uplift white supremacy in the United States of America. Listen, I, I'm not surprised. We, it, it, is, it, is, it is naive for black people to pretend that we don't know what uh, this, this link between white nationalists and, and police departments is. I mean, if we're doing the history, right? Uh, North Carolina was the first police department in this country that came from what? The slave catchers. So we know slave catchers became police departments. So it ain't hard for us to see that two, three generations removed that there's an oversampling of white nationalists, not just in the police department, but in the ranks of, of the military. And we got sitting senators saying, I don't call them white nationalists, I call them Americans, meaning he's comfortable with them being, this is the reason we can't recruit because we're attacking white nationalists, is what Tuberville said. So this idea that we should be surprised. DC should have known this was happening when they started recruiting officers, white, more white officers from West Virginia and Virginia to come to DC and police them black bodies. So I'm not surprised at all. You know, this is a this is a, a sad situation, but it is par for the course for American police departments. It is unfortunately it is, and not to say all, but far too many. And some of the things that can be done to really turn this thing around, more psychological evaluations, doing a deeper dive on the background of these officers that you hire. I mean, deep, deep, deep dive on their background. And in today's age, man, with all the technology we have, it's really not hard to find at least publicly where people stand, especially if they are using a social media. More interviews with people in and around their family and their neighborhood to figure out what makes them tick. Because when you have that, it's an enormous amount of power to be a law enforcement officer. And it takes a lot of responsibility and a high duty, a high duty to truly mean protect and serve. And that means protect and serve all communities, not lord over those communities. And the fact that you brought up, Mayor, that how law enforcement began in the black community was not for protect and serve. It was slave patrols. It was to 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 hunt down black people. I mean that that's those that's just the reality of it. And this country has not atoned for any of that. We have not had true, we have not had truth and reconciliation in this country on a whole host of things that that are linked to black lives in the United States of America. So law enforcement is especially necessary because of the power that they hold. They hold life and death 
in their hands. And it's not just about training. Training is one thing, I believe in training, don't get me wrong. But training can't solve all things. It can't solve if this really is in the heart of that person and that they're using this power as being a law enforcement to further propagate their white racist tendencies. This, this, this is truth. Right, so Mayor, listen, a lot of work to be done on this, and we're gonna continue to talk about this. Are we going to the sanctimonious DeSantis? We're inching closer to Ron DeSanctimonious announcing his bid to run for president, and he's got a bold claim, claiming that he is the only one, of course, he's the only one that can beat President Joe Biden. This fool right here. Ron DeSanctimonious, per The Guardian, reportedly told top donors only he, only he, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are cre- are credible candidates for president in 2024. So let me reframe that. He's saying that only him, Donald Trump, and Joe Biden are the credible candidates for president in 2024. The nerve of him, and he is the only Republican who can beat the incumbent Democrat. Put the mayor up with me. Now let's go ahead and unpack that just a little bit. That's a whole bunch of nerve to to say that that him and and. Former President Donald Trump and President Joe Biden are the only credible candidates. So what? What? So Marianne Williamson is chopped liver. You know, uh, Tim Scott just jumped in the race. What is he? Top chopped liver over there. You got RFK, Robert Kennedy Jr. in the race so far on the Democratic side is Marianne Williamson and on Robert Kennedy Jr. On the Republican side, you got Nikki Haley is in there. You know, Scott, uh, Senator Scott has just said he in the fray. But this dude right here said it's only three credible people in the race and all three are white men. So they're the only credible people in the race. Of course, I mean like they're white men. So the rest of these folks are just you know puppets. I think here's the funny part. A lot of people will push back on this idea that Joe Biden is the only credible Democrat. Mainly the people that beat him twice as he ran for president three, four times. So let's not let's not forget that Joe Biden is Joe Biden is not the only credible candidate. Donald Trump isn't. Donald Trump is not credible. You can't even use those that you can't even use that sentence ever and make sense. And Ron is doing what we what we see right now is this guy showing the world, reminding the world how simple and scared and small he is. The idea that he's trying to limit the field by naming, I'm gonna determine I'm gonna determine the competition. And then out of that competition, I'm gonna use one like biased poll to say that I'm the person that can be the one Democrat that's by um that's viable. Here's the here's the truth of the matter though. This the way the system is set up, the two-party system is set up in this country. This may be true. 40, 30, 40 years ago. However, what we're gonna see right now, I bet you in this election cycle, you're gonna see a challenge. And if the Democratic Party don't debate, don't allow a primary process, they're gonna you're gonna see a rejection of that notion that you power players, you owner donors will determine who is our candidate. And you will see a third party success. And when I say success, I'm not saying that you can beat one of these main party candidates, but you will see a defection in voters participation and also voters from these parties in a way that is gonna surprise a lot of people. And these owner donors, these candidates and these two party systems will are in due time, definitely gonna see a rude awakening that I'm gonna be proud of. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we are really in a bad way. If these are the only choices we have as a country, this is bad. All of these people can run. I'm never one to say that nobody can run, run. Hey, if you feel like you still got more life to live and more you know, running in you, run, do it. Do whatever you feel like you need to do. However, there's a however to this. It is a sad day 
if these are the only choices that we have in 2024 America. That's it. And that's mm. all. You you deserve more choice. All mm. of these people can run. Some of these people are just being selfish. I mean, to me, you know, a Biden and Trump, especially, to me, it's selfishness. Trump is running because he thinks it's gonna help him on with his legal woes, because he's just gonna tell people it's a it's a it's a hunt, witch hunt again, or warlock hunt against him because he's running for president. And then you got President Biden. I mean, why is it? United States of America, why are these the only two choices in 2024? What does that say about the state of America? It is something wrong. That's to be the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth concern. And then let me just wrap that all up into nobody, not the sanctimonious. And man, it's unfortunate you got some other folks, you know, sitting up there giving their opinion about who's credible, who's viable, who's not. Who named them the chief or the captain of determining who's viable, who's credible, who can run, and who cannot? And half of these people that spouting off about who are the credible candidates, who not, will never step out there and do anything, not take a risk, and not stand up for anything, whether it be right or wrong in 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 the in the pur- in the public purview. So the nerve of these people to say that. You know, I didn't throw no papers today. Saki giving us the rap sign. Let me just go ahead and do this to end up this weekend. It has been a rip roaring Friday, y'all. This this is how Sister Turner is feeling right about now. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Well, this is our time today. Mayor, it has been always awesome. We bring the fire every Friday. We're gonna call this Fire Friday. When you and I are together, oh baby, we bring the fire, the lightning, the rain, and the thunder. Yes, we do. And thanks to each and every one of you for joining us today. Sending you so much love. You know what we want you to do about this time. Always, 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 no matter how daunting it is. And no matter how daunting it seems, you know, keep the faith. But marry that faith with some fight, baby. Faith without works and without fight is dead. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Idarola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.